Welcome to the Parenting Cipher, where each episode will give you the tools and resources to help your child thrive in school and in life. Please rate and review this podcast. I'd love to hear your feedback. And also hit that subscribe button so you don't miss any upcoming episodes. Hello, hello. Welcome to the Parenting Cypher. And today, our special guest is YoFly Auntie from YoFlow Auntie Podcast, Mrs. Kendra. That's me. That's her. And she is an author, podcaster, age advocate, emphasis on midlife strategist, mm-hmm. and giving yourself permission to live your life to the fullest. I uh, thank you for having it. me today. Thank you. Thank you for blessing the show Ooh. with your energy, ma'am. I'm- trying to get this light out of my eyes. I'm trying to adjust to having to wear glasses everywhere now. I didn't have to wear them before, but working from home and then, you know, aging, my eyes were like, now girl, seriously, you're going to do one or the other. Don't eat it. Look, I took my glasses off of something. Mm-mm, and tried. I was like, ooh, child, you, you almost black. You tried your own self, didn't you? I said, you wait a minute, man. What, ha- what happened? What had was, happened? Overnight. It happens overnight, doesn't it? You know what? I had this optometrist say to me, and I was just like, dude, are you serious? He said to me, he was like, yeah, you know, in around, you know, the 40s, you know, you'll find yourself lifting your glasses to read the stuff a little closer. And I was like, <laughs> now how do you know I do that? Because I do do that. I thought it was all me. He was like, no, you know, <laughs> like, you know, around 40s, you know, something happens to your eyes, especially if you wear glasses. When you see something smaller printed, you mm-hmm. need to take the glasses off. See, I'm the opposite. So like smaller print, girl, if I can't hold it all the way down to my feet and look at I was like, I'm going to either need longer arms or we're going to need to make this font bigger on this phone because I can't see. And then getting adjusted to having the right lens for doing stuff, podcasting and meetings and all that kind of stuff and Zoom. Like I had someone tell me like, okay, that was an awesome presentation, but your glasses were distracting. Wow. Because mm. it needed the blue tint thing. And I was like, now you could have told me that. Uh, you can tell me Right. <laughs> So you, you, always, you say mid, it's not a midlife crisis. No, it is not a midlife crisis. It, it is, is midlife blindness. Absolutely. Especially for Black women. I think that you and I have had these conversations. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I think it's very important that, you know, we see young Black women, we see Black women as they start getting closer to their 30s, and then they kind of are removed from the social discourse around aging, around growing forward, around embracing all parts of their lives. I think a lot of people have had, is this a cousin show? Can I cuss? You can. Okay. Your people going to be mad at me. I'll behave. Have no, had they're the, not. No, they're the, not. I already, I already planned for you. I was like, oh, we just going to put that stamp on it. Put that it. stamp on because it. Because it's not your fly auntie if we can't get real. It's not. Auntie. It is not. So I was like, I think this year a lot of people have had the shit shaken out of them where they've had to really start to rely on things that they thought weren't worth anything. And especially for Black women, we navigate things. It looks like it's so easy and we are the underpinning of society 
we hold the whole circus together. We the net up underneath it all. And we do it with such ease that people forget that it may look easy, but that don't mean that it's not heavy Mm -hmm. and it's not hard to do. And all of those things that we are able to do so naturally, like talk, like create community, like craft, like be able to do whatever it is that you do in your life and you just give it away because you don't think that it's worth anything. Those are the messages that are being sent to you by society. That ain't true, baby. And especially for Black women, all of us, but specifically my people, (laughs) the 40 and older crew, especially if you've been working with a job, uh, a lot of us in this midlife space find that you are too old. You've got a whole bunch of knowledge. Don't nobody want to pay you for it, though. And so they want to try to squeeze you out so they can hire 10 of you for your one salary. And so when you end up leaving and you've given your life to a career or you've given your life to a marriage or you've given your life to a whole bunch of other stuff, and then you're looking in front of you and you're like, I got a whole bunch of life in front of me. Don't break down about it. It ain't no crisis. It's just time for you to gather up all your shit so you can go on and out here and show these people what the fuck you can do. Right. You got to switch it up. You got to pivot. You got to pivot. And you know, one of the reasons why I wanted to talk to you this season, because last season we talked about it, was this is the season of the space of possibilities. Mm -hmm. So I was like, oh, I have to have Kendra on the show. Because that's what we're talking about, the space of possibilities and the limitations that we place on ourselves. And what's happening right now is a humongous ass pivot. It is. For everyone. That was um, my podcast today. Did you listen to it? I ain't listened to it today. Point blank pivot. Pivotal times require you pivot. Yeah. And one thing about like midlife, because I was listening to your show today. And I was laughing because like one thing with midlife is you have a bunch of stuff going on in the background. So you got Mm -hmm. your 20s. I like to say in your 20s, you up there ebbing it up. That's what you're doing out there getting in it, you know, making it all messed up. Right. Right. Just messing your life up. Don't bring that up later. You know what I'm saying? In your 30s, you're like, oh, what? Oh, oh, you, you, you're not going to give me this credit card? You, no? What? My. My credit jacked up. Is that what you, what you say? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Your feelings are messed up. Mm-hmm. So now you're like, oh, let me fix this. Mm-hmm. 40s, you might mess it up, but you know how to fix it, baby. So it's okay. Right. I think that the great thing about 40s and I think the wonderful thing about the community of women that I've been able to meet. Hey, Janie. Is that... They remind me that especially when things get trying or a little more difficult and you feel like you're being challenged in different ways, you have a different skill set to navigate that you don't get shaken. You don't get shooketh like, <laughs> to the bone where it's just like, oh, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what I'm going to do, but I know I'm going to be all right. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the crisis part is eliminated. The crisis part is eliminated. So it's about leaning into all of your strengths, all of them, all the things that nobody else may place value on, all the dreams that you've sought to seek things out for yourself, right? And nobody needs to understand your dreams. They're not theirs. So nobody should understand them but you. And whoever is supposed to be there for you that's going to help you get to the next place, they're going to be there. Right. That's most definitely true. Mm -hmm. I was like, Mm -hmm. one thing about the 40s for me is the moment where 
the thirties can be funky because it's this space of like, oh, this is messed up. Like this is messed up. You kind of get a little bit depressed, you know, in your forties, you get kind of point where you're like, Ooh, I gotta let it all go because Mm -hmm. I can't keep carrying the weight Mm -hmm. of it with me. And I always, I laugh, I joke with parents about parenting that's different in your Mm forties, especially if you have kids that are different ages. So I have like 25 year old son, 19-year-old daughter, then I have like 13-year-old and nine. Yeah. Yeah. And they're like, hold up, wait, 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 wait. You um, do that for us. They're not going to get nothing? I'm like, no, because it's not that deep. <laughs> like, wait a minute, what do you mean it's not that deep? No, 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 that's not the rule. And I'm like, yeah, but I was a different person. And that, like, no, no, I, I got some, they got to get some. No, no, that's not true. And you guys should be happy that I'm not the same person and be glad that mama has grown some. And y'all go on over there and commiserate together. <laughs> but that's just facts. You know, I was on a guest on someone's podcast and I told her, I was like, in your 20s, you are feeling the weight of the things that you have not accomplished, that you want to accomplish, and the things that your parents told you to do, but you didn't put in place. Mm-hmm. And you're out here trying to get the pop, you know, when your parents say, you ain't got a pot. Now, yeah. I don't know about anybody out there, but when I was young yeah. and my mom would be like, you ain't got no pot. I'm like, a pot of what? Like, what is this pot? Or the window. Or the window. You ain't got right. the pot out of window. What is it? Now, when I got to college and I was sitting on that campus mm-hmm. and they were going to give me $20 a week, mm-hmm. I was like, I ain't got no pot to piss in. I ain't right. got nothing. And, and the window to throw it out. And yeah, I need that. So in your 20s, you're working. First of all, if you went to college, you, you got a job, you're working. Yeah. Yeah. And you're trying to figure out, wait a minute, this is all you're going to pay me? Like, right. well, how come you can't give me a job? What? You're trying to say I need an extra degree? What? And you got to go home and you cannot control those things. But what you, can. you can't control is this little person. Right. And they're going to feel not so much your frustration, but mm. you're going to drive them to be better than what you are. Right. Same things your parents said. Exactly. But with context, because my dad, you know, I don't know if this is like people in the 50s, how they talk. But I'm like, they ain't even make no sense. I remember I bought a car. <laughs> I remember, I remember I bought a Lexus. I'll never get it. I was like, yeah. And he was like, you can't afford that car. What? I got it. It's outside. What you talking about? But what he was supposed to have said was, you can't afford the upkeep on that car. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But the people in the 50s, they give you those one-liners, like they dropping dimes and wisdom. You like, what's the rest of it? What is the you know, tell nothing? <laughs> Exactly. Uh, you just said that's that like you the riddler, and I'm supposed to figure out the rest of what that and then, means. And then they want to hit you with the you don't listen. Well, I mean, you have to a complete sentence, sir, and then I will listen to you. I don't know what you thought, you know. Yeah. And but when you get into your 30s, mm-hmm. and you the more stable you get, the more stable your mood gets. True. And then the things that would drive you cuckoo, it's not so much because. The economic piece it plays a huge part in parenting. It does. It really does. It's- I'm so scared for these kids right now because both of us have children that have been diagnosed. So our advocacy is a little different. My son is high functioning autistic. He's 16 years old and my little guy has dysgraphia. So he reads well, he can comprehend well, but he can't spell, honey. Don't Girl, wait a minute. It's not going to be the spelling when he gets older. So when he gets older and he has to start taking notes, he's going to need the supplements. So he's going to need the teachers to give him notes because my daughter has dysgraphia. 
fortunately, they have the speak to text on the Chromebooks. So he has learned how to speak quietly and take his own little notes and stuff over in his corner. He's talking to us and he's taking the notes. It's like, are you going to be good with that? And he said, yes. I said, do you need any kind of assistance for me to come back and help you out with this? And he was like, no. So yeah, God bless your daughter. Gosh, that was, that had me tough. You know, what's tough is when you don't know and you're using the parameters of how you were raised. And as a, right. And as an African-American in our culture, Mm -hmm. we don't necessarily, first of all, we're not really thinking about any diagnosis. Social media has us thinking of diagnosis in a certain way. And I'll be honest, we don't want none of that because I'm already black living in America and they don't don't need none of that. So with her... With her, you know, I had them in like top tier private schools and those things was happening, you know, like, well, I take us home for homework. And they kept telling me it's developmental. And my daughter is really. But, but did you know? And I knew. Yeah. And there wasn't anyone for me to ask. It wasn't, you know, I'm asking the teacher because I'm thinking, oh, well, you know, you, you should know something. And that was right. it. And, you know, the stick of it was I ended up on WebMD, like symptoms. <laughs> Right. Because at that point, she was clinically depressed. That's right. And it, and it will. It will break them. It, it will break the child. And she literally, especially, and I don't know about, you know, the listeners out here, but when you have a child who's high functioning, you know, sometimes you'll see the pictures and they'll say, high functioning kids, you know, some way have it worse because they are totally aware Very that true. they don't know. They are aware that they don't know. And yeah. to be able to, like, her IQ is high. She's intelligent. She's smart. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you know that you're fully capable of doing a thing. But you can't. But your grades don't show. Mm-hmm. It's very, very depressing. Now, how do you feel about grades? Because I pulled away from them being the parameter for which I judge my boys. So you know what? There's a thing with grades. <laughs> it's so funny because I just have to talk to someone. I use grades as a way to get them to do what they need to do. That's what I use grades for. <laughs> right. But at the same time, because I'm really in this space of like growth mindset, I don't say to them, oh, you're a smart. I'm like, you work really hard for that day. I like how you took your time to Mm -hmm. do so-and-so. So So talking about grades, my son is in, he has a social worker. That's a whole nother conversation because I'm feeling some kind of way about her. And she's a sister, but I feel some kind of way, you know. Her goals is like she wants him to take the initiative to talk because he's a talker. Mm-hmm. And she says, she starts the conversation. She says, yeah, you know, Savior, don't you want to get better grades in class? And his answer was, I already get good grades in class. So she's like, well, you know, you could get better grades if you would, you know, volunteer for more things. And he said, I don't need to volunteer. I talk when I want to talk and I already get good grades. So then she says, well, I mean, if that's satisfactory to you, and I'm over here on the sideline, like, what? You're both what? doing the same eye. Like, what? man. What are you doing right now? Because right. what you're trying to do is you're trying to make him think that he's not going to get a good grade. And don't right. you want better grades by participating? But he's already participating. At his level. Here's the thing. And this is what's interesting. is my son is high functioning. Both yeah. of my son is high functioning. But I realized in this world, and I hope all parents out here, because by the time the show comes out, it will still be in virtual school. I had (laughs) time to really start paying attention to the other people in his class. Mm -hmm. So what I realized is that in his class, because he goes to a private placement, he goes to a school that is special education. Okay. Yeah. My boy is like really advanced than the other kids in Mm -hmm. certain ways. 
You know, mm-hmm. he was a good fit for him because his social challenges was eating his academic ones, mm-hmm. right? But I'm sitting here listening to what's going on, and I'm like, ooh. So he's the child that he adds quality to every conversation. They mm-hmm. want him to speak more, but he mm-hmm. doesn't think he's right. He doesn't have to. He don't, have to. don't try to push him to do something he doesn't want to do, but then you're doing that shaming thing. No. And I mean, if he's adding quality to the conversation, that's all he needs to be doing. His grades are good. He is at his own place. I have a real problem with that just across the board when people are asking children to do things that goes against what they innately are doing. Because what you teach them is that, well, what you're thinking is not enough, which is a lie. Like, if that's how they feel about it, that's the end of that. I would like for you to feel a different way, even as your mama. But I want you to be able to think critically. And I want you to be able to be in touch, especially as boys. I want you to be in touch with your feelings so you'll know that you don't have to do that shit. Don't do that. You know what I like? This is the space where I've just been enjoying my kids' diagnosis. And it's really funny because I don't know about you, but... You know, sometimes I go in these Facebook groups and I'm like, why is everybody always on the truck? Is things bad? And I'm like, sometimes it makes me hesitant to say what I have to say because it's mm-hmm. like, oh, okay, what's going on with you? But <laughs> I like about my kids is that social, you know, people with kids on the spectrum, that foundation of that kids mm-hmm. who are high function on that spectrum is that social piece. It is. It's missing. It's huge. It's huge. It's huge. It's huge. But real talk, when you have to fill in those blanks, and you're trying to explain it to them, I start questioning mm-hmm. myself. I start questioning how socialized am I? Right, that you're trying to correct stuff that it's really not that bad. I remember my son came home and he said <laughs> to me, Mommy, Mom, <laughs> Trump is a kidnapper. He kidnapped those kids. And I said, mm-hmm. Well, not really. See, because their parents was coming across the border illegally. Mm-hmm. And he said, Stop. Mom, I'm with you. I'm with the baby. Xavier. He took the kids from their parents. That's kidnapping. And I was like, you right, you right. right okay. Right. Dang. Yeah. I'm so glad, like, I don't know what. <laughs> right. And that in all of it, I mean, even in like, I always knew with my oldest, like that, you know, I didn't ever want him to be inside of the social circle because I like that he's a quirky black boy. I like it. I like that for him. I like that there's a space for him now in this world. He could mm-hmm. find his own people that, you know, it wasn't like when I was growing up where it was just your immediate people that you were around. He could be influenced by, you like anime? Cool. You want to learn how to do Japanese? That's fine. Go ahead and do that. Do all the things and find all of the people. But I knew he was never going to be in the circle. I just wanted him to be like adjacent. Mm-hmm. Like, I want you to be able to see what they over there doing. So shit go down that you already are paying attention. I want you just to not know nothing. I just would like for you to still be yourself. So have you yeah. ever had a moment with your oldest? Or mm-hmm. I feel like the oldest is, I don't want to call them the test kids, but for real, they test kids. They're the test kids, and I'm sorry. I'm the oldest. I'm a test kid, okay? But have you ever had a moment where... You had another child say something, like you observe another child say something to your son. And like I had a moment actually with family and we went to his grandfather's house Mm -hmm. and his cousin says to his mom, he looks at my son, he's like, he's weird. And I was like, oh, righty then. Okay. Yeah. What'd you do? 
I was actually shocked because I was like, what do you mean he's weird? My feelings were hurt. And, you know, Star was like, you know, mommy, he called me weird. And I was like, baby, it's okay. Because, like, he don't know. Right. That's right. another one of the great things is, like, a lot of his social stuff be going right over their head. It goes right over their head. That's the best. It's, it's one of the best things. It's one of the best things. The only thing with the only thing is when, is when other people don't understand and then they get upset. Yeah. So like when people say, like, I think my dad says suggestions. So they don't get suggestions. Mm-hmm. You either tell them or you're not. So my dad said something to my son, like, yeah, you know, don't you think it's time for you to pull the trash out? And it went right over my son's head. Take the trash out. It's eight o'clock. Take the trash out. And I need it out before eight oh five and I need you back in here. You have to be like straight shooter, but with shouldn't fam- we be that way with one another. It should not be that way. But I'm saying, shouldn't we be that way where it's like direct? Gina, I would like to do such and such at such and such a time. But all of the social part is that you're not supposed to be like that, like eight o'clock. Yeah. All of that mushy stuff. I've had situations where we've had some problems and it's been family as well, which is always the hard part because you don't want to have to cuss somebody out about your baby, but you will. Mm-hmm. Like, cause the reminder is like, I might be still your child, but that's my child and I ain't a child no more. I'm grown. Right. And then do you think that, so for me, I'm like real, like I'll tell my family real quick. I'm like, look, they have autism spectrum. Like mm-hmm. they cut it down like autism. Cause people are like, what? Right. We're not going to get deep. Like how it's autism, but it's a back. It's a whole entire diagnosis written on paper. We're not going to go there. Right. And you explain it. And then like, okay. But they're like, literally, my brother was like, so what? <laughs> He's like, so what? So, so what? What's um, the, book, the end of this? Tell me what I'm have, doing. Right, they have to live in the real world. So, you know, and it's, like, and, and it's like, okay, so as a culture, you know what I'm saying? It's interesting because it's like, okay, yeah, sometimes I'll get, oh, you can't use that as an excuse because this is the real world. I'll get like, Oh, is that real? Like, you think that's real? I'll get... That well, come with me for a little while, and I'll show you how real it is when I'm exhausted constantly. Those first few years, I think it's one of those things that is imperative for people to know. Those first few years of your child's diagnosis, before you get a diagnosis, you're going to be tired. You're going to be tired to your soul because you by yourself... And everybody in your family is looking at you like you got like some badass kid or some kind of situation. She, that's because she let him get away with all that stuff or whatever. And he let him come over here with me. I get him situated. Mm-hmm. I, bet you, I bet you won't. I bet you won't. I bet you will not. Because you're talking to someone who's not processing information the same way that you do. So your societal standards and norms mean absolutely nothing to this child. No. Right. Right over their head. Over their head. And Let's not even talk about the strangers. I remember I was in McDonald's and it was so funny because I am bougie. I'm not even going to play. I'm bougie. So with that being said, I don't go to certain neighborhoods, but (laughs) their dad moved into a certain neighborhood. So we went to the McDonald's in a certain neighborhood and we're sitting there and he's eating his McDonald's. I don't know about your kids, but fries is the thing. Fries. As their mother as well. Mm -hmm. Right. So it was a crackhead in the McDonald's. And she was going off and, and they were trying to get her out and she proceeded to take, I like to call it the supersized Sprite, the biggest drink that McDonald's had. Like a liter. She threw it. 
and it sailed past, like it sailed right past our table and splattered. I jumped up and I said, we got to go. And he was slowly dipping his fries into his ketchup. It's like, I don't understand what we have to As do. though I did not speak. And I was like, you have to go. He's like, why? It was not dangerous. They had like rushed the lady. <laughs> they are taking her out. People are scattered. But he was like, but these French fries though. And he was <laughs> and, and afterwards, a woman walks up to me and she says, Um, you need to talk to him about moving when you tell him to move. Mm-hmm. And I said to her, Well, he has autism. And I'm gonna tell you something, Kendra. This is the very first time that I ever said it like not in a educational space. Right. I felt right. like you attacking me and you attacking him. So he has right. autism. She goes on to tell me, well, I'm a teacher. So what? You're teaching okay, him what? Well, you don't know a whole lot about autism then, I guarantee right. you. And, you need to do and, workshops. Is. Right. And I'm like, so what y'all here? You want to tell me what to do? And I realized, hindsight, I was like, see, if I had moved to fries. He would have followed you right out the door with the french fries. French fries. And you're right. Those first... Well, actually, for me, it was the first year because I had two. So I don't know about yeah. your journey, but with me, it was like I had close in age. I had a, there, and they are four years apart. So I had that a SAR, and I like to call him my million dollar baby because after that first diagnosis, the school said to me, "Well, he's two years behind." This is how I received the entire conversation when they started breaking down his individual education plan. Was mm-hmm. that? always going to be two years behind. And that's okay because he's making progress. That was not okay with me Mm -mm. because he knew. So I was like, okay, right now I'm not empowered because I don't have all my things, but I got you. I know where I need to get it. And I had like a private tutor to catch him up in reading. She Mm -hmm. kept telling me at one point, she kept telling me, you know, Miss Dawkins, I need you to take him to a developmental optometrist. And I was like, nah. Like, yeah. Yes, nah, I do. So finally, <laughs> so finally I went and apparently she was telling the optometrist about me. And he said, mm-hmm. I know that Katie has been referring you. Why did you not want to come? Because I'm like, I'm not trying to add nothing else to this. And you know what I said to him? I said, because I didn't want nothing else to be wrong. I said it for you, did like I ain't trying to add nothing else to this. I got I'm it off. I'm full. You don't don't add nothing else to yes, Katie. You might be right by his eyes, but not now. She literally okay. like you're paying me a thousand dollars a month, and I'm telling you, Someone I'm, I'm taking him as far as he can go. Like she was gold because she most people she just said, oh, take they would take money. money. She no. was like, I'm taking him as person. far as he can go, yeah. and I did that. You know, messy. I know. I go to the dentist. They're like, we got take him to ortho for what? He's a kid. I know he don't need braces. You already know, sis, right? Next thing you know, they're like developmentally the jaws, the upper jaw and lower jaw. They're not. He needs a space. Sis. Then, and as he gets older, next thing you know, they're like, yeah, we're going to have to break them feet. (laughs) Now, does he have flat feet? The super flat duck feet. So for anyone who don't know, it's like their their feet are super flat and then they go out like duck feet because the arches are consistent. No, not at all. They're totally flat, like flat. So think of like two pieces of pizza walking down the street like that. So did you take him in? We took our son in too late. I took him in. So he's 13. He said that they would be able to do the surgery. He wants to do it around now and 14. He said that's the perfect time because, you know, in case he grows a little bit more. 
But yeah. look, I'm telling everyone out here, this is a span. Like we started off with one thing, but it's like a span of time. Mm-hmm. I really had to step into that space of one, accepting it might be something else. And two, you can't do all things at one time. You cannot. You have to prioritize and it has to be okay with you that you doing the best that you can at that time. Because other than that, honey, you would drive yourself completely insane. It is difficult. I mean, it's difficult. I think, especially as parents of black boys. So when you start talking to other black women about raising black boys, they're like, okay, but I mean, it's hard for all black boys. Like, but imagine if your son didn't know nothing about what you were talking about. All that stuff you talking about when you go outside, don't do this, don't do that. Keep your hands in your pocket, walk straight, don't look at black people in the eye too long. <laughs> like, because they'll be like, What you looking at? Look like, away. No, don't all of the things that you, you felt that one, then <laughs> don't just with that one. With that one, I <laughs> look, 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 look. me and the kids travel, so we like. We're international travelers. And yes, right. I love we, it. We were in the airport and this woman had her eye, like I only call it cock eye, her eyes. They didn't go together. They one was going another way. Mm-hmm. Zay is pointing. He's like, Don't you use the old term? And sometimes they don't get the variant of sound. So they can tell you you're loud, but they don't understand you're loud. Oh, oh so loud. Oh, so loud. So he's loud saying, What's wrong with her eyes? Now, luckily for me, both of my kids' boys have needed speech. So she doesn't understand what he's saying. I know what he's saying. And I'm saying, but what's wrong with it? So I had to like pull him to the side. Like, okay, because they don't, they don't know. I remember my son said, You see that white girl over there? And I'm like, Ooh. His, I do. his sister is like, she's like, oh, she be quiet. Be quiet. I see her. Now lower your voice and turn your head. Right. Why do you have to identify her as the white girl? And he said, "You, you, and things totally different than what he's looking at it, child. He just, <laughs> he's expressing himself." Oh, what was so funny was he said, "I don't know her." <laughs> so the only way I can tell you who she is is if she's the white girl right there. <laughs> and it's just like, what else you want me to say? Yeah, no, I agree. I agree with the baby. I think it's just, especially in our community, it is new and the experience of having other parents advocate for black children is new and to be openly saying to someone my child is on the spectrum is new and then to have to educate whoever you're talking to or speaking with is really new because in our community it was really only one word it was the r word and that was it oh slow right. oh, here's the rest of it something wrong with him <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's, something's wrong. Ain't nothing wrong with him. Like, are you sure? No, there's nothing wrong with him. But if you would like for me to tell you a little bit about my child, I'll tell you a whole lot. And then you'll be like, okay, bye. It's like, I wasn't expecting all of that, girl. I wasn't expecting all that. So no, it is. It's great. And I am so damn proud of you. I am so damn proud of you because I wish... That I would have had someone that I didn't know or had never spoken to in life. I just wish I would have had someone else to make me feel like I wasn't crazy, that I wasn't a bad parent, that I wasn't wrong, and that it was going to be okay. And it may take a while, like you were saying, like it's not going to all happen at one time. But I just wish that I would have had that 
it is such an isolating place. Just the isolation of it is painful. And you're trying to do the best for your babies and trying to hold on to yourself. Mm -hmm. Again, as Black women, we hold, we carry it, but that don't mean it ain't heavy. It's heavy. It can be so, so heavy. And so I'm so proud of you for coming out front and allowing yourself to be the front person on starting to tell people, hey, stop that that you're doing and go do this. What is an IEP? What is a 504? What do you need to do? How do you start this process? A lot of teachers, God bless the educators. I love them, love them, love them. But all of this is new. It's new in the classroom. How do you navigate 10 kids in your class with IEP? And that you got to make sure that you, honey, I'm telling you, I'm not a fighter, but the closest that I have ever gotten to fighting in my life has been about my children. And it has been in situations at school. And I am not ashamed to say that. I have had people who have told me like, what do you want me to do? I said, it's in his IEP. I've never read his IEP. Okay. First of all, that's illegal. That might not mean nothing to you, but I bet it'll mean something to the school system if I sue this motherfucker. (laughs) That might not mean nothing to you, but it means something to me because it means something for him. It also means how you get this money to help the gifted program. Well, then let's talk about that for a minute. I'm going to get up in that one for a minute. You know, because I just spoke to a friend of mine and we were talking about people who provide services to our children. And how people who provide services to your children can be bullies. It's as though because they're getting paid by the school system and you're not actually paying them that they feel some kind of way that you're getting something for free. And they're not following the IEP mandate that my child is supposed to receive 30 minutes twice a week of speech. So instead, you're giving my child 15 minutes and 20 minutes. And then when I'm questioning you, you have an attitude. And this is why. You get a speech therapist with an attitude? Right. <laughs> like, girl, we I actually had a speech therapist <laughs> where. Girl, you wouldn't even be on board in this situation if you weren't talking to these kids. Exactly. I had a speech therapist and she was a sister. And I'm saying this to everyone out there. All of us are for us. All of us are about the coins. All skin folk and kin folk. And she was the speech therapist. And whenever she would like do his like slight assessment, she would always say, oh, it's his articulation, his articulation. See, I got one for you. And I'm telling everybody out here, if you have health insurance, even if you could take your child once a week, once mm-hmm. a month, take them to someone else outside the school. For assessment. For an assessment. But not even just an assessment. Even if you could just take them for therapy because- When it's time for you to have that new IEP, you can use them to come to the table with suggestions. Which is yearly, y'all. Which is yearly. So what happened was what Asar would say and what he was thinking, it Mm -hmm. wouldn't come out. Mm -hmm. So at one point, his articulation was good, but he still thought that's what the problem was. The problem was his sentences were not complete. She's working with him this whole time and she keeps talking about articulation, articulation. I had to come back to the table and I was like, so this is... The other issue that we need, and she's like, oh, yeah, I can do that. What? Why am I telling you this? I mean, you are, as a parent, supposed to tell them the things that you see. But, I mean, that came from someone else's information. Right. But here's the thing about the telling what you see. So I've been doing this thing since we've been up in here in this COVID life, virtual school life. 
And I realized that a lot of things I do, right, because I'm not going to let anyone else tell me what's going on with my child. And I'm not going to let you dictate because I want everyone to hear me. Just because someone is a specialist doesn't mean they are a specialist in how the diagnosis looks in your child. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's a guideline. It's a guideline. So when I talk to people, I'm talking for, you are your advocate for your child. So it's not just about they need to get their services. How are they receiving the services? Mm-hmm. And does that actually help them make progress? These IP goals out here, guys, are like cookie cutter. Like mm-hmm. they got a book. They like, we're going to throw these at them. And you have to say that's not going to work. Why it's not going to work? Because as a team, as a team, as a team. I'm telling you, as mom, as the captain on this team, on this side, that thing that y'all learned in college, that is great as a guideline, as a roadmap. But for this child, this one, let me tell you what works. Allow me to help you. Exactly. (laughs) Allow me to help you so I don't have to cuss at you. Right. But when I first started my journey, this is the funniest thing. My journey was rocky and it was steeped in guilt. Because mm-hmm. my daughter had ADHD and she had dysgraphia. She was clinically depressed and, and she did. had anxiety. And I felt like I failed her. Yeah, I was running around trying to fix my mistake, but that's not how I came across to her. I came across as those that she was broken. That was she was broken. And it wasn't. And I was never thinking that. I was thinking, oh, man, I fucked up. I should have yeah. listened to myself. Yeah. I should have did better. So I didn't want anyone else to feel that way. So when I had like a SAR at the time, he was like in second grade. Mm-hmm. I pushed. I pushed for that test because his father's family has a little bit about everything. So I shouldn't have to come to you and say and tell you my family's business. I shouldn't have to tell you his sister has ADHD and dysgraphia. His brother has this calculator. His, this is what I had to do yes. to get them to test. And y'all, them tests, the psychometric testing, a full batch, if you pay for it out of pocket, it's a couple grand. It's like three to $5,000. Easy. And I mean, Jeannie and I don't live anywhere near each other. We ain't never had this conversation. Mm-hmm. And I tell you, listen, so if you feel, especially at an early age, that something is not settling with you, like you see your kids with other kids, go to the school and keep on them. Keep on them. But then the other part is don't let anyone else shame you as Mm. though you want something to be wrong. And that's Mm. the thing that as a parent will kind of make you double back Mm -hmm. because you're Mm. like, well, me, am I trying to make him have something? Maybe. Mm. No, you know, when I remember my son and it's like markers. And it's like when I had my second son, I was like, he needs to be tested. I was like, are you trying to make him have something? Because the other ones have something. But this little boy, kids love him. They love him. Like his name means Brighton. Everybody love him. He don't like people though. And he'll tell you that I don't like people. <laughs> so even when he was young, even when he was like one years old, kids would run to him. He'd be like, mm. whole body would turn, face would turn. But as he got older and he got verbal, he would say, kids are loud. Mm. And see, he has his sensory part. Right. So he doesn't like like the lunchroom and stuff. Right. He doesn't really like kids. Because you got to think about it. You think about it as an adult, kids are loud. They are loud. And then when you're in there with them, like as a kid. Yeah. Wow. So, you know, I didn't like that. Look, at some moments I had, I did feel like Celie from Color Purple. Oh, my life, I got to fight. You know what I'm saying? But the way I would come in, though, was so smooth because I always like to say, I'd be like, people, I tell people all the time, man, people have to think I'm French because I'd be like, we, 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 because I'm going to make you get on board. 
We're a team. We are a team. We're going to get on board. I'm not going to contradict you, but I'm going to educate you. I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you. And when I said at that first meeting for my son, and I had done all this research with the test. Mm-hmm. And for everyone out there, if you feel like something is not right, do not let them spot check your child because they already decided what they have. You need a full psychoeducational test. All of it. All of it. And it takes weeks and they have to put in time for it and they might have to miss time in class. And you still can request it even during COVID. Even during COVID. Yes, you can. You might have to take them to the school or something, but still, you still can request it. And I think that it's, that's why I said earlier, like, especially like for now, I don't think that we are fully prepared for the amount of education that's being lost, the time for correction or for at least modification for learning about if your mama is watching your kids while you at work, y'all ain't got no time to be worried about. Is he looking at the screen properly? <laughs> but then you're adding the other piece of these schools are doing the best they can. I'm going to say that first. They're doing the best that they can. They are, especially with no guidance. They don't have any guidance. But then you also have the piece. This is my thing for now is if your child is in a class that's, you know, labeled special education, put your ears on, turn them ears on. Because mm-hmm. however they're talking to your child on that screen, they talk to your child like that in class. So this mm-hmm. is a really good moment for you to step up. I mean, and look, we all empathetic now to all the spaces and we could give people grace. Absolutely. But it only takes one of us to give voice to what's wrong. Absolutely. Only one. And, you know, and I'm out here, I'm like, okay, well, why are you ignoring my son though? He's like, he's being kind. He's saying, excuse me, excuse me. Why are you ignoring him? You come and peek around the corner. Well, excuse you know, me. I'm always in the space. So I got a lesson last month. Yeah. Lesson, Paul, there's a difference between supporting your child. And doing it for them. That was my lesson last month, right? Because sometimes it's easier. It's easier for us. Yeah, for you to do it. Just let me do it. So he's doing his virtual classes. And what I've been doing is before class starts, I go into the Google Classroom. I pull up the assignment because I'm in a meeting. I don't want to have to do it. And then they they gently said to me, you know, Miss Dawkins, he was really independent in school. And we'd really like to see you. <laughs> we'd really like to see him to be more independent by getting onto the classes. And I heard, so this is a clear moment as a parent mm-hmm. when we get in our feelings. I heard you call me a helicopter parent. That's what I heard. So then I had to get out my feelings. And you I said, like, okay, you know, lie. you're gonna have to back up a little bit. <laughs> but then I came back with, I noticed that. When y'all doing assignments and you're dictating to him what he needs to write, he mm-hmm. can't actually navigate between Zoom and the Google Doc. So mm-hmm. I type in what he's saying in the notes section. Can you do that too? Oh, well, we never thought about that. Okay. Yeah. See, teamwork. Teamwork make the dream. Like teamwork. All right. Yes. Because we are working together. We and are working together. Can he do the Google voice to type? Can you do that? No, it doesn't work. I think it's his enunciation. Okay. He's been using... I mean, the more he talks, the more it'll pick up his voice. To be honest, though, he tried it. He was like, Mommy, it doesn't understand me. It is like, it is treating me bad. No, but what? He was telling me what it was. I can't remember what word he was telling me. And I was like, what? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. But it is definitely a space right now that is one of the best places to flex your advocate muscle. 
It is. And you can really say, okay, this is working. This is not working. Yeah. And then figure out ways that it can work. You know, one of the things I always say to my parents is no one wants you coming to their table with a bunch of complaints. You have to come to the table with some solutions. Mm-hmm. Give them something to work with. It can be small. It can be so small. It could be something that you're doing at home as a just, parent. Just give me something. Give them to make, something. It's already hard enough that you're feeling. And it's hard enough for the educators that you're feeling like, I am overwhelmed. So what can we do? Right. And to be honest, as parents, we do a lot of things instinctually. And we don't think of it in the parameter of how can someone else do it? Like, how can you copy this in a mm-hmm. classroom? But if you mm-hmm. were really to sit there and try to think of a solution... You would think of that. That's like right. they do dojo points. My yeah, son like, with the dojo. Yeah. My son told me they ain't real. I was like, don't you want these dojo points? He was like, they ain't real. They don't count. They don't count like, nowhere outside of this thing. So they ain't I mean, real. So I was like, you know what? Let's put together a rewards board, and I'll give you points when you get points. And then every two weeks, we go get a prize. So he's like, okay. Say, like, cool. I love that you're empowering parents to be advocates. I think that when you hear that word, it sounds so big and you're like, but I don't have a degree in whatever it is. Like you do, you have a life degree. Right. And you still live in it. And your own unique experience gives you permission to be an advocate for whatever it is that you need to be an advocate for. And ain't nobody going to advocate for your child like you. No one. Ain't nobody going to fight for you and your child like you. It's like, so you got to show up. And I know it's intimidating because a lot of times you're like, I'm not an educator, so I don't want to go in there and step on nobody's toes and this and that and the other. Fuck they toes. It's about your baby. Grown people with hurt feelings, get over it. Look, young babies that miss out on opportunities for them to be in the proper environment for them to flourish, don't flourish. Look, everybody at the table, I know... One of the things that can be so crazy and intimidating is when you're sitting at a table and you are the only black person there. It's always, that's always the case. Right. And then the questions, like sometimes how they come out the gate. I've been with clients and I'm like, oh, that's what we're doing. The first question is, is your child on medication? So the first part is we're going to make you feel bad and guilty because you're not showing up as a parent. Wait a minute. Hold up. Mm-mm. I can't have to be on medication. Number one. That's illegal. Right. I'm going to go back to this again. You can't subscribe anything in the public and or private school system, nor can you ask. I can tell you, but you can't ask. Right. But but then I'm like, so everyone. So now we're on the same page. Good morning. How's everyone doing? All right. So today we're here to talk about my child. Let me tell you about him. Or do I need to introduce myself again? Sometimes I'm to walk back out the room and come back in. <laughs> because you have to set yourself as an authority. Do yeah. not be intimidated. Look, everybody that have PhD, PhD, okay, what? And you got PhD in mommyhood. That's what you have. Right. You PhD in whatever your child's name is. In whoever your baby is. Because don't nobody know your baby like you do. And you know when something is wrong. And that is why this space is so important. Jeannie, I'm not just gassing you up. I'm serious. <laughs> you know me, I will tell you. you like, eh. But <laughs> like, no, it's super important because nobody, they don't know. People don't know. Our community, all of these resources that we have come to know are because of some hard fought battles and some people who have kept saying, you need to get your baby's eyes checked. Mm-hmm. But you're like, that was a lot of money. I don't have all that money to spend. No one does. 
But if you don't fix it now, it's not anything that's going to get better over time. Because at the end of the day, so here's the thing. The end of the day, your primary directive as a parent mm-hmm. is to raise someone who can take care of themselves when you have left this earth. That's correct. And the only way you could do it, you know, I said, I was telling my ex-husband about this yesterday. And I said to him, I was like, no one's going to be able to say, oh, Asara has autism. He's going to be a black man in America. That's the first thing they're going to see. That's it. So he has to learn how to manage his diagnosis. Mm-hmm. That is my job. My job is-, is to help him to be able to do that. Because mommy can't walk around a 25-year-old man or 18-year-old. No, I can't do that. The only thing I can do is put things in place. So I mean, at 13, they grown everybody else. I want to say this right now. When you have the 13, when you have, like, they go from, oh, they so cute. cute no more. To next thing you know, they're taller than you. And they're not looking like they're 13. As soon as they don't look that way. And it can start around 10. Yeah. People start assigning yeah. older stuff to our children yeah. immediately. Uh-huh. And then I remember we were going through customs, coming back in from Dubai. And they pulled the start to the side. And he was like, mommy. 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 And they were asking him about his past. He was like, my mommy has it. And his tone, his tone of his voice, they realized, oh, no. He is like really a, he's a child. And they were like, ma'am, you know, and how they treated him with such respect. Like real talk. We don't get that here. Way better than home. Way better than home. Because when you have one thing that people don't understand about kids who are high functioning, is they aware. They may not get them little social, little little small social cues. And the way that they comprehend Mm -hmm. information. You know, one of the things, reasons why I think the child said my son was weird is all my son would talk about is dinosaurs. Because he knows Dinosaurs. My little guy used to like to, well, my big guy, dinosaurs, rocks, all kinds of rocks. Girl. <laughs> I got rocks all over my house. I'm like, what would you I still have them all over my house, too. And everywhere we would go, we'd have to bring back a little sand. I had a whole conversation the other day about the moon not being actually made of the magnetic stuff that's on the moon. Honey, I didn't know it was dust up there that was magnetic. Okay, well, yeah, I had my lesson on moon yesterday, but I had my lesson on the flow of water, different between rivers and all this other. Oh, see, I didn't get that lesson. Oh, we're going to have to put these children together, too. It's, we do. But, you know, he's because we, we drive through the park every day to get to school mm-hmm. and initiate this conversation about when should he stop wearing hoodies? I was like, oh, why would we stop wearing hoodies? He said, because I don't want anyone to shoot me like Trayvon. He said, so there is an age that I should stop wearing them. God, that hurt. And I was that hurt. like, ooh, baby. So I was like, you know, I'm always open to conversation because, you know. So yeah. I said to him, well, the question is, I said, well, why would you stop? He said, well, I don't want them to shoot me. And he said, you know, he went on to give me statistics about all the black people who have black men have damaged shot but wearing hoodies. He said he feels like it's not safe. So I don't know about your son, but he has anxiety. They're anxious. So one thing about it's the kids who have anxiety and they have yeah. They will find the information. You know, they oh, love information. That's the space. Love information. Mm-hmm. So what you won't do is try to debut the truth. No, you cannot. Because they, that is, and that's a huge problem. Yeah, the black and white part of stuff, that's what they get for real. Yeah. Now that gray area. Mm, they don't get that. And I was that. like, ooh, because when they start to speak to you, they already know. I mean, I went through a period with my son where I literally, every time you ask me a question, 
I would say to him, are you trying to set me up? <laughs> He'd be like, no, I'm just, I said, no, because you asked me. I ask you a real question, what? Like, no, I think you're trying to set me up. I think you're trying to set me up because you already know I don't know. I don't know the answer. Yeah. And as soon as I try to make up something. Right. And then I'm going to have to like, He's going to crush me. <laughs> right. So I'm just going to have to have say, Siri. But those conversations, he asked me, it's so funny how, he said, but have you ever heard Drive While Black? I was like, well, yes. Wow. He said, so when they pull me over. Not if. Right. When? Mm-hmm. What do I say? It's no right thing to say. And Kendra, I had nothing to say because it's I'm no not, right. I'm not a black man. I don't know. I went and start asking people. <laughs> Ask the people. You know, I kept coming back with different answers. When but there's I, not one answer. It's not. So we had know your rights and have a lawyer. We had one response was think of it like a wave. And when the wave hasn't come in, you don't think about it. I'm like, oh, okay. Okay. Next day, Kendra, he came back. He said, you know what? I've been thinking. I said, okay, what you been thinking, baby? He said, I'm, I'm not going to drive. I'm just going to get a bike. And it was the moment I had to be asking myself, are you going to be real with him or are you going to let him be? Because he's yeah. 12. Like, why babies can't be babies? I had to tell uh, him. I said, baby, I was, it's not about the car. and it's Or whatever. Or the bike. He literally told me at one point, he was like, well, I'll just walk. And I said, it's not that. I said, baby, it's just because you're a black man. That's it. That's it. And he was quiet. You know, he came back the next day because you know how they are, Kendra. He's yeah. like, I've been thinking. <laughs> some more. Just some more. I said, what you been thinking? Mm-hmm. I'm not even going to live here. I think I'm going to move to London because then I don't have to worry about that. And I'm like, oh, bruh. Yeah. No, you might not have to worry about that. But I have told my boys that they have absolutely no obligation to stay in the United States. They are under absolutely no obligation to stay in the United States. I've told them that from when they were very, very tiny. If this is where mommy and daddy still are considering to be home, my greatest, greatest joy would be for you to find your way wherever that is. Ooh, I love that. Yeah, because I tell them all the time, I am seen in this body as your mother, but the only thing I really am for you is the tour guide. I can give you the information that I have. And so based upon what I was given, I am the new point O of that. So I have a newer handbook than my mama had. And you now have a different handbook that you will be traveling your life with. But I am just simply your tour guide. When we leave this earth, I'm not going to be your mama. We in the eternal forever and ever. But for right here and right now, I'm going to try to do whatever I can to make sure that you get everything that I have. The best of me, sometimes not so much of the best of me, but the best of me. And <laughs> we already know. We already know. I have my moments where I say, look, I can't right now. I cannot. I, can't, I, can't, I cannot do I, it right now. My can cannot. My can cannot. <laughs> and they say, uh, my boy say, okay. <laughs> you know, I don't know if it's a boy thing. It's a boy mom thing. Yeah. Okay. But they'll be like, okay, now my daughter. Mm-mm, don't have no daughter, Jenna. It'd be back four, back four. I back. always think that I wanted to have a daughter until I started seeing people with teenage daughters. And it was like, okay, thank you, Lord. You know what's so funny about the girls? <laughs> what's funny about the girls? It's your sweet, oh, my little poke, poke. Poke, poke. And then all of a sudden, it's like, who are you? Scary. Like, she turned into a daggone wild, want to argue with you about everything. Yeah. No, girl, I'm good on that. And I used to always tell, because that's my stuff. I used to always tell, I was like, I'm a boy mom. She's like, what? I was like, because 
I am an Aquarian. I'm a straight shooter. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, yeah. but you make me not have to straight shoot. Not only am I a straight shooter, I grew up around boys. Yeah. So okay. So totally different there. Exactly. Yeah. And she is a girly girl. So we would have these conversations, girl. and I'm kind of like, why are we doing why are there? You, right. Why are you crying? Because all you just gave her was information. Why? She was like, what why? why are we? Why are we doing this? But you know, now I got these boys and I'm like, I can't right now. And that's it. And that's it. That's the end of it. That's that it. is the end of it. Yes, yeah, it's, it's different. It is different. I think that I probably am very similar to you. I'm an Aries though. So mine comes with fire. Right. See me. When my son said, he said, you know, mommy, you can be a therapist because you know, you understand me and you speak with kindness. We had this conversation. So look, I don't want to hold you, but I want to talk about this whole transparency and conversation about systematic racism and how your boys are processing it. So my nine-year-old, this is how he's been processing it. He came to me and said, mommy, kids in my class are racist. I said, mm-hmm. what? Well, why are they racist? Like, you can't just be throwing that around. And I said, he said, well, they are racist because every time we go to play the game, they always give me the black piece. Mm. So I said, well, Maybe they're not racist. Maybe they think you... He said, look, mommy, <laughs> they give me the black piece because of black. That's racist. So I said, ooh, child. I said, listen now, that can be a bias. And I said, the thing is, I said, well, bias is, it doesn't mean that they hate you or it's based on hate. I said, it's based on misunderstanding. Mm-hmm. I said, so what you can do is... Ask them, because this is my thing. I like to ask people. I like to turn on people, make them think about the stuff. Ask them, why do you think I want the black piece? And he said, okay. And then what I say, I said, now, if they say, and I told them, they're not going to say because you're black. I said, but what you can say, because I know my child, I said, what you can tell them is just because I'm black doesn't mean. Right. I want the black piece. I want the black piece. But he has been, he told the teacher, she's going through the books they're going to read. He said, excuse me, excuse me, raise hand, excuse me. How come you don't have any black books? I'm with the baby. Teacher said, well, um, we haven't really found it. He said, you know, black books with books with black characters. She says, well, you know, Xavier, I'm going to be looking for some. He said, you, you know. You can look online. He said, you know, like black books like Muhammad Ali. Have you ever heard of Muhammad Ali? I would really like to read one of those books. Now, this is what I'm asking you. How should you should how your boys are reacting and how you are reacting. Because I already know. But I'm going to ask so everybody can hear. <laughs> I... Don't do this to me. <laughs> have been raised, and we have all been raised in different ways. But when we yeah. don't say white people are doing, we say they. And when they do stuff to us, we don't shout it out. We don't mm-hmm. point it out. We let it be because we have been socializing and raising ourselves to survive. Mm-hmm. And part of that survival is to lay low and not mm-hmm. be seen. And mm-hmm. as women raising boys. Even though we don't give voice to it, but we see it. We see it every day on the news. That fear, they're not going to come back. So we want them to shh, be quiet. Mm-hmm. But one thing the podcast did for me last season was to let them breathe, let them be. Now, yep. like you said, the thing about autism in this space of transparency and how they can just be, it's a mm-hmm. perfect place that you have to make a conscious decision to not do what we've been doing. Yes. It is. And my youngest, that's a whole different conversation, but my oldest, and I'm in the South. Oh, yeah. I'm in the South. Mm. What a if. (laughs) Where they like their racism a little more genteel, not that out and out stuff of that man that's currently occupying the White House. (laughs) 
because that's embarrassing. Mm-hmm. But just the whole of, you know, you're one of the good ones kind of thing. And so with my oldest, he was, especially through elementary, through middle school, was in a school environment where he was one of the only. So a lot of times things that were done that were racist, but they didn't feel like they were doing anything racist because it was all of them in there. Mm-hmm. So it, it didn't matter because, you know, I mean, he all right. He not going to make a fuss about it. Oh, but his mom. <laughs> Oh, but his mom. So there have been a couple of things. The first one was about coloring the rebel flag and doing a presentation on it. I said, color it red, black, and green. And if they ask you why, tell them to contact me. No one contacted me. Mm -hmm. The next big one, there were several. I mean, there were so many things, but it was a Lincoln-Douglas-style debate. And... The kids had to narrow down the topics. And for some reason, who knows why, his teacher thought that it was a really good idea for the kids to pick the topics and to create the topics, pick the topics, and to then narrow down what they were going to debate. Now, not her giving them topics and letting them narrow them down. She let them come up with the topics. And it ended up being, which was worse, being a slave, an enslaved African, or being a housewife during the Civil War. What? You see your face. I say this. Oh, my face is all scrunched up for people. I got the word face. You got the word face. You got the the what? Like if I could go back in time, girl, I'll help you fight. And the thing was, and with him being there and being the only person that he knows when I'm getting ready to go, slap the fuck off. He already knows. And so he was like, did I do anything wrong? No, you didn't do anything wrong. You're just not participating in this. I'm going to need for you to stay here tomorrow. And I'm going on up here and get this situated. Fast forward, everybody got an A. Why? They don't need to have this conversation. So a lot of the parents were very, very angry because they didn't understand why I made such a big deal about one assignment. What is the problem? That is a problem. This is why it is important for white people to know all history. You do yourself a disservice when you only know the side that you've been told. It is important for you to know who Shirley Chisholm is and Sojourner Truth and Ida B. Wells. And you need to know who all of the story is comprised of. You need to know about the Fort Pillow Massacre. You need to know about things that have happened right here in South Carolina. Mm-hmm. You need to know about the people that were hung not far from where we live not too long ago. You need to know about the young man here in South Carolina that was executed in the electric chair at 14 years old. That's this state. You need to know that. So you won't be doing stupid shit like this. Right. And then coming to me like I'm in here causing problems. Right. Well, good news, people. I'm not from here. So <laughs> if it feels like it's a problem to you, then we can have a problem. If you would like for me to help you to get to educate yourself, I will point you in the right direction. So he was very upset for a good little while with me because it caused a ruckus, mm-hmm. you know, his little environment. But it helped him to understand that being quiet doesn't mean that things are peaceful. That means you eating other people's pain. Woo! Wait a minute. You are internalizing that. You're being quiet is allowing for them to continue forward with abusive behavior. It is abusive 
for you to sit here and educate not just my child, but these children, that you would even allow for this to be a topic as the person that is the leader of this conversation. And again, I love educators and it is some of them, many that are sterling, exceptional. I've had great experiences, but this race thing, especially for black boys and your black children in these classrooms, please be aware of what the conversations are beyond Black History Month and how and the tone, as you talked about, Jeannie, in which people are speaking to your children and how they are coming out their mouth and how they're meeting them and what kind of energy. I'm an energy matcher. You come to me and we hide. We like, hey, yes, girl. Yes. So good to see you. Yes. Let's get this thing going. Or I'm going to come to you with all of the, wait a minute, the what we not going to do from the verse of Black Mama. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> from the book of Black Mama. The book of chap- Black Mama. <laughs> from the book of Black Mama, chapter number one. Here's what the fuck we not going to do. Exactly. Because <laughs> what we won't do. And, it's, what? and it is important that we recognize this. And I'm also going to caution my brothers and sisters out here. Now, when you see it, you step in in a space of power, not anger. You can meld them. But they're they're gonna dismiss you. They will. So and the bias in. and characteristics of the black. Call woman. your friends. Get the anger out before you go. Get the anger out. I had a situation with my daughter where literally my daughter was there on scholarship. She went to go get her lunch card. The woman withheld her lunch card and told her, "I would appreciate it if you don't put your hands on my daughter." My daughter said, "Well, I didn't touch your daughter." Yes, you did. You are a liar. Wait, hold on. What? Hold up. Wait a minute. <laughs> hold up. Wait a minute. And my daughter has anxiety. And she knows. She know me. She like, I'm like you. So she's right. scared to tell me. She's scared to tell she me. You know, tell you, but you tell you what. Wrong with her. You know something wrong. The Lord was looking out for me. Because I remember I had to work late, late night. I had to work late, late night. And I was <laughs> in my job. And I was sitting in the lobby. And she called me on the phone. And she told me. And the school's closed. So mm. couldn't do couldn't do nothing. But you know what I did? I'ma tell you, I had the power of the keyboard mm. and I wrote a letter mm-hmm. to the principal and the mm-hmm. director of the lower school. Mm-hmm. And I told him what happened. And I told him that she was bullying my child. Mm-hmm. And that I'm not, and I said it, I am not sure if she felt as though she could do this because my child is there on scholarship and that she is a minority. And next thing I know, a plethora of apologies. They uh, fired her. Mm-hmm. But they made her apologize to my daughter, and she had another teacher call her stupid. Mm-mm. So we all know, we all know from your book. What you won't do is call my child stupid. And I told her once again, I got my pen, I started writing. I didn't call anybody. I didn't go up to the school. I wrote. And a pen and writing is best, Jeannie. Writing is the best, best thing you can do in documentation and it, figure it, out. Tell you, they say I didn't say that. Oh yes, you did. Here it is. And you know what? Look. What we like to do is we want to get the person who said it. You get them where it hurts the most. You CC their boss and their boss's boss. Because what you're not going to do is act like this didn't occur. Right? Apparently, it wasn't because she's black. Because, you know, that's what I thought. Apparently, she called all the girls stupid. But my daughter was the only one that the teacher had to apologize to. Not okay. And you know what? My daughter came back. Because I never told her. But what I realized is now she's 19, me doing those things. She was like, I always knew that you were going back there and you were handling it. And she said it made me feel so good when she had Support. to when she had to apologize to me. Mm-hmm. And she said all her friends were like, Ooh, she apologized to you. 
Oh, why did she apologize to you? Because all of those kids, all those girls, because all girls school were being demeaned and bullied, verbally abused by that woman. That's horrible. And no one was saying anything because this is important. I want everyone out here to hear what I'm saying. When you are a parent and you put them in a school, the child's disposition is that you already know. Kids aren't thinking that deep. They think you know the teacher's doing this to me. They think you know. So well, I'm not going to go home and I complain because you're probably going to say the teacher was right. That's just how kids think. So and when, in the past, that may have been true. In the past, it may have been true. But for me, it wasn't. Like, my mama was like, my grandmother's from the South. She's from Florida. Yeah. So oh, my mama, and I see, I think I said in my first season, my mom, we were Muslim. And when I was younger, my mom was like, I like to call it hijab. Hopefully I'll offend you by it, but you know, right. I guess I can say it because I'm <laughs> So she would have the whole thing, all you know, all them. the scarf, all the stuff. I would never forget the teacher. She would take a ruler and hit my hand. And I do feel like part of that was because I was black. When my mom found out, and I took it, I didn't say anything. But when she hit my brother now, I told mm-hmm. My mom lit that mask jig on fire. I know she did. On fire. But once again, this woman was doing it to all the kids. All of the kids. So this and is- so that's why we don't know. And that's why we need to speak up. But no, we, we speak up, but also by modeling, our kids mm-hmm. have to see us do it. So Absolutely. they have to see that, no, I'm not co-signing on this person treating you this way. So not when someone else does it, they speak up. And that's like I said, what my daughter loved the most was like, I didn't go up in there and light the whole thing on fire. I was like a silent, but power, like what we won't do. From the book of Black Mama. Right. What we not going to do. What we not going to (laughs) do. And let's just be clear. Even if your child's going to a public school, they're going to a private school, they on scholarship. It does not matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't doesn't matter. matter. You show up. You have to. And send in an email, even if you feel as though, oh, this doesn't feel like this is a strong enough or I don't have the right words. Simple enough, sis, bruh, it can be, it is my understanding that on blah, da, 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 date at such and such a time, there was an occurrence or you could say this happened. That's what my child told me. And don't blind CC the superintendent C-C. and whoever else that you CC them. So they could CC you. <laughs> so, so, <laughs> you CC them. They need to recognize you coming. Right. They can see you coming. Don't let yourself feel like I don't know what the right thing is to say or the right thing is to do. If you have a feeling that is something that you should be doing, you must do it. You must do it because you advocating for your child is far more than anyone is expecting for you to come and do. Yep. So when you send a letter or send an email before you show up, because they know you're coming. Mm-hmm. So send an email that night and let them know. I'll be bouncing through tomorrow on the informal. And then we're going to put us a little meeting together. But I'm going to walk up in there tomorrow and I'm going to smile at you. And it's a shame and it feels harsh that you still have to play with respectability. But you know that you only have that good one or two times that you get a chance to pop off before people start just writing off. Mm-hmm. Oh, here she comes. She's always angry about some shit that's going on with her child. No, I'm not angry. I'm not angry at all. But what I would like to know is, do you want to keep your job? Right. Because I would like for you to keep your job. You seem like you do a really good job at it. But what you're not going to do on today, tomorrow, yesterday, the day after that, <laughs> 
you're not going to do that. And you're not going to not just do it with my kid. I just want you to be aware that I'm looking at all of this. So yeah, send the letters, y'all. Send the letters in. Send them to whoever you're talking to, the teacher specifically, their principal, whatever grade level, assistant principal, vice principal, whatever it's called in your area, and the counselor that's there, and somebody of reference at the school board. Yep. School mm-hmm. Just always, board. always include the school board. Always cool. And do not sit here t- and say, I don't want to get anybody in trouble. Oh, they're handling it. Well, listen, I want you to think about stuff in this context. If you keep it in the school, no one really knows except the people in the school. So, it's like anything in house, anything in house, right? So, would you like to get assistance? Because these people already knew that they was calling the kids too. Yep, they already knew that. That was not the first year or the first time she had ever done that, and that was something that they were willing to accept in order to keep her on staff. No, ma'am, no. So, yeah, say this has been great, Jeannie. It's, it's so good. It is like. You know, I just like to talk. But before we end we have, it, we have to do it again. Though. We do. Before we end it, though, because this is the cipher. Okay. This is the parenting I'm, I'm cipher. Ready. And I'm we ready. are, and it's a nod to the hip hop cipher. So I always ask people, what's their favorite song? Well, oh, I have so many. My favorite hip hop song? Well, you said, what did you Try. say? Tribe Call Quest, Electric Relaxation. That's exactly what it was. When I had synced it, right? I said, Oh, you could hear it right from the beginning. No, you know what I said? Say, I ain't never heard that song. <laughs> but then I played it and I was like, oh, how you did not know that was the name of the song, though? <laughs> because it's Relax Yourself. Let me be so clear. Why would you know the name? Right. And I was like, oh, this is the joint, though. Joint. So Tribe and Outcast for me are. I could just always go back there. Now, my favorite modern hip hop person is Kendrick. And I probably listen to Kendrick every week, at least during the week. I work from home. So, but yes, Tribe Call Quest, Electric Relaxation. That is what I'm throwing into the cypher. Just the beginning of it, girl. It's a whole move. Oh, it is. Oh, my God. Relax yourself, girl. Please settle down. Oh, my gosh. Oh, when the fife was like, oh, it's like bust off on the couch, got semen furniture. Oh, my God. I was like, oh, yeah, this is the nah. joint. Yeah, no, that one is. I like a brown Puerto Rican, a Haitian. Name five dog from the Zulu Nation. <laughs> I know everybody's locking their car like, gonna have to play that when this is over yeah Yeah, that song was college for me and that was just such a moment in hip-hop i loved when hip-hop moved i mean it's still moving it's not for me right now like a lot of it is not for me but i still appreciate the fact that it's still an art form like I remember when it was a huge deal that MC Hammer got a commercial deal right. and people were calling him a sellout. And now you can't have a deal without, you don't have, have any problem. kind of commercial product that you have available. What is wrong with you? Why don't you have stuff? And so hip hop is culture. It's the culture. But before you it go, is. tell everybody where they can hear you. you can- can hear me on all of your podcasting spots the yo fly auntie podcast with me kendra first thing i'm going to tell you is to grab your headphones because this is a space for the grown folks <laughs> so there will be a kikiing there will be hee-heeing we will be doing some cussing and things too but it is a great space for learning and growing and getting flyer as we age yeah so not a midlife crisis this is the thing i've been sitting on 
for a long time. It's not a midlife crisis. It's a midlife flyness. I look at aging as a level up and not a liability. So it has nothing to do with your body. It is everything to do with your mind. And so you can find me there and my webpage at www. I feel like I need to say that because I'm old. <laughs> www.yoflyauntycom And you can find me there and all of the social, the medias and the grams on the enters of the nets and the webs, the IG, the Facebook, all of them. They're all the same. So holla at your girl. Yeah. This has been great, Jeannie. Yeah, I better holla at her. Thank you so much for listening. If this content is delivering value to you, please subscribe and go to wherever you listen to your podcast and give us a five-star review. That helps us build this community. And that's what we're all about, building this community as big as we can to deliver as much value as we can. The Parenting Cypher Podcast is produced by the Podcast Laundry Production Company and the executive producer, myself, Jeannie Dawkins. Until next time, remember to be patient with yourself and your child.